Mini episode 1255 of the FDA Lounge is brought to you by Sportsology, delivering unconventional columns and webcasts about sports, TV, music, movies, and more. Follow them on the web at sportsology.com. The FDH Lounge. You want to schedule your life around it. A long time ago, on a gloomy, wet Cleveland spring night, two men stand alone amidst the late night drizzle. Their voices echo across the vacant station parking lot as they debate the merits of the great American radio show that have been missing for far too long. On that night, an idea was born. That idea became the FDH Lounge. Welcome to the FDH Lounge. Hello, everyone. Welcome to FDH Lounge Mini Episode 1255. This is FDH Managing Partner Rick Morris here. We are previewing the 2020 MLB season, such as it is, and uh, for these purposes, we have good friend and longtime FDH Lounge dignitary Steve Callis with us. He of the Callis Remarks podcast with our fellow dignitary uh, Joe Stazek, as well as, uh, of course, regular appearances that he makes on Joe Stazek's show on 97.5 The Fanatic in Philadelphia. Now, uh, usually the first segment that we do of every baseball season, this was to be our third annual one dedicated to the memory of our friend Don Coster, sidekick on Ken's old show, uh, his old baseball show, Life's a Pitch with Ken Detweiler, uh, which is sort of a precursor to this program from uh, 2004 to 2006 on the Sports Talk Network. And uh, Ken was unable to be with us today, last-minute scratch because of some work commitments. So we're going to put a, a pin in that one here. We will do our annual tribute to Don and talk baseball in his memory the next time that the three of us can get together here, and that is either going to be Requiem for a Season or our playoff preview, whatever ends up being the case here. And uh, with this odd and awful landscape that we have with COVID-19 in the year 2020, Steve Callis, we'll talk about all this. Unfortunately, my money is on the former. We talked about this off-air a bit. Any sport that's not looking at a bubble right now I don't think is being realistic. Great to be with you, Rick. I think, I think that's... Totally right. I think it's a big problem. Originally, before any, you know, back a couple months ago, I was like, well, baseball is easily the best one to play on the field. From a physical distancing perspective, you're not linemen beating on each other 50 times a game on both sides of the ball. Um, basketball is basketball. Hockey is hockey. But now that they've decided, you know, originally there was a plan, I think, to uh, play in Arizona and Florida. And I don't know if that plan was scuttled because of the incredible amount of record cases virtually every day in Florida and Arizona not too far behind on a per capita basis, but they then decided now we're going to play like a full a 60 game season, but with full, even though only the AL East is playing the NL East and the AL Central is playing the NL Central and the AL West is playing the NL West, 40 within your own division, 20 across to the opposite league's division, you're going to be doing a lot of traveling, I don't care where you're in. And and by a lot of traveling, I don't necessarily mean mileage, but, you know, if you're in the AL East, you're flying down to Miami. You're flying down to Tampa. If you're in the West, you're playing in California or Arizona. You know, if you're in the Central, you're playing in some tough states as well. So that strikes me as an accident waiting to happen. And as I know you know, all the home teams in Major League Baseball, after they play a game, they go home to their families. Yeah. So who knows what's going on there. So I frankly think it's kind of an accident waiting to happen. Plus, I just learned that in baseball they're testing every other day. 
And if you talk to these super health experts, they say the best way to stop the spread is to test every day. And, you know, I, I would assume Major League Baseball has the wherewithal to do that, but for whatever reason, they've decided not to. Well, exactly. And uh, when you talk social distancing in baseball, it's almost as if they had a pandemic in mind when they outlawed crashing into the catchers at home plate, because that was one thing a couple of years ago. That was a flashpoint that no longer exists for separate reasons. But uh, in terms of this, yeah, thanks. I I think uh, the bubble never really got very far in baseball. Uh, the, The governors of Florida and Arizona were beckoning towards baseball hey why don't you guys stay down here play your season here and i i thought the ideas had a lot of merit until the follies uh in their states became apparent uh, all the flaws in the very rapid and aggressive reopenings that they went through and uh, that rendered it a mute point at that point uh, so to speak but uh i'm going to start here with just a little bit of cliff notes on the off-season heading into this year, and then take it whatever direction you, you want to, Steve, as far as uh, your, your thoughts before the coronavirus thing here. I'll just go division by division. You've got in the NL, uh, I'm sorry, in the American League East, you, the Yankees uh, probably had solidified themselves as the team to beat in baseball, at least in the American League, luring away Garrett Cole from Houston. They were in a dominant position. As if sensing this, Boston had backed off a little bit. They traded uh, Mookie Betts, and uh, they were kind of settling into a little bit of a submissive role here. Tampa Bay remaining strong. The other teams in the division, uh, not so much. In the Central, it still looked like a two-horse race between Minnesota and the Tribe. Uh, you've, you've got the White Sox coming along nicely with their young talent, but still looking to be a ways away. Again, not much to say about the rest of the division. In the American League West, I really had uh, Oakland overtaking Houston. I thought this was going to be a very difficult year for the Astros. I thought they would still make it as a wild card, but I thought that the stress of uh, having to live with the scarlet sea of cheating was uh, really going to be uh, causing them a lot of problems. Uh, too talented to miss the playoffs, but I thought they'd be a wild card. Uh, but notwithstanding the fact that you now have one of the best managers in baseball in the division, Joe Madden along with Mike Trout, a hell of a combination if it comes to pass this year because now Mike Trout uh, is somebody that had been a little bit uh, on the uh, bubble as to whether he was going to decide to play or not. So far he still is as of the time of this taping. Again, the other teams in the division, not much to say about. You go to the NL East. Atlanta and Washington, I think it was still a two-horse race there. Interestingly enough, again, remember, Washington might be the world champions, but they're not the division champions. That's Atlanta, and they, nobody in baseball, I think, has a better young core than they do. Uh, again, uh, you've got Philly and the Mets jockeying in that division, potentially for wild-card contention. Miami's still quite a ways away. The NL Central, uh, I think a jumble like it was last year. That's how I saw it being this year. So, some good teams, no real great teams in that division, and teams that could be uh, contending for either the division or one of the two wild card spots. Whoever wouldn't get it going to Arizona or, I'm sorry, uh, Washington or uh, Atlanta. And in the uh, National League West, Dodgers, the team to beat as they have been the last several years. Arizona stepping up a little bit here with uh, Bumgarner and some of their offseason moves uh, that they had. Uh, it's going to be weird in San Francisco this year. No Bumgarner and no Buster Posey as Buster Posey is sitting out the year due to the coronavirus epidemic. Uh, San Diego continues to kind of claw their way up with some of their younger talent, but they don't look to be much of a force yet. 
Uh, Colorado is not really uh, terribly relevant to anything right about now. So those were kind of my thoughts coming into the season, generally speaking. Uh, anything I said there that captures your fancy, go ahead, Steve. Well, I think we're, uh, frankly, very similar. You know, I thought the Yankees that we'd done this in March. Uh, I actually thought the Yankees at the time would have been in trouble had they started the season. Stanton was not going to be able to play. He yes. Uh, Hicks was not going to be able to play. Uh, they still had the mystery and still partially have a mystery, although Judge had two home runs in uh, an exhibition game the other day. He had that stress fracture in the rib that nobody ever diagnosed correctly. He was not going to start the season. In fact, they were a little concerned that he might not even be able to start this season. And Paxton had surgery in February. So I remember looking then when we were thinking about doing this when it was going to kind of start, and I was like, oh, my goodness, without those guys, they're going to have a totally different outfield. They're going to miss one of their starters. Um, now we flash forward. I'm sure we'll talk about it. But, you know, Tanaka got hit by a head with a hit in the head with a line drive off of uh, Stanton's bat. Chapman got the coronavirus, and he apparently is not back yet. It looks like he's not going to be able to start the season. D.J. LeMahieu got the coronavirus and just came back. So I watched the Yankees the other night, and they have such a loaded lineup. So I originally thought, frankly, they'd have some trouble. And now they're so much more healthier than they were going to be at the end of March. So I think you kind of nailed that division. I thought Tampa Bay could give them a run in March. I'm just not as convinced now. Uh, although I think Tampa Bay with the opener, you know, and they have Snell in the uh, – now and Charlie Morton, I think I think they're going to be in the mix. Yep. I just think I, I watched the Yankees the other day and Sanchez bat sixth, and you're like, oh my goodness, this guy would bat third or fourth on you know virtually every good team in baseball. Right. And and then he hit a moonshot in the second deck at Yankee Stadium in left field, which you know if you do that to right field in Yankee Stadium, everybody yawns. You do it to left field, you you, you like you know get off your couch. Right. So I kind of have what you have in the AL East. The Central, I'm kind of leaning towards Minnesota. I always kind of root for Cleveland because, as you know, my son spent five years there. Right. Um, I think, uh, I think though, Minnesota is just, you know, Rocco Baldelli has done a, a, an excellent job. They have very good start, yes. very good starting pitching. Um, frankly, they're, you know, kind of loaded. Um, so I think it's kind of Minnesota. Uh, in the West, the same thing with the Astros. I think this is the best thing that can happen to the Astros. Right. But I also picked the A's uh, to get out of the West. Um, you know, they did they did lose Cole. They're getting back McCullers. The Astros I'm talking about, he's not Cole. I thought Cole should have won the Cy Young. I know they gave it to Verlander. I don't know if that's another lifetime Cy Young award because he had won, you know, he's won a bunch. He's won a few, I think. Right. Uh, but I thought uh, Cole was better and more dominant. And when you looked at it, you know, he didn't lose for like four months or something or whatever it was. It was incredible. In the NL, I kind of feel the same way you do about the East. Uh, uh, but I'm picking the Braves to win that division. The Nationals are going to take a step back, I think. And they lost Rendon, who, you know, you're right about the, uh, I should have said about the Angels, but Rendon and Trout, right. but there's a Trout question mark. I think Madden is already a Hall of Fame manager, but I think they're going to be in trouble. But I think because of losing Rendon, that Washington's in a little trouble. They still have excellent pitching. But I kind of like the Braves, and you're right. The Mets and the Phillies, to me, are good teams in the wrong division. Not the divisions, I think they can make a run for it. Sure. But I don't think either of them can beat both uh, Atlanta and the Nationals. 
In the Central, I kind of like the Cardinals. I know you went over back and forth. I just think some people are picking the Reds, and for them to go from 75 wins to a Central championship strikes me as a, as a little much. Um, so I do, and I think the Cubs, I think Madden's a great manager, not a good manager, and I like David Ross, and I'm not quite sure what he's going to be as a manager. You know, these guys coming out of the booth, everybody says Aaron Boone, Aaron Boone, Aaron Boone, and I say, I think anybody could have won 100 games with the Yankees the last two years, and I'll be right. nice to Boone and say anybody could have won 97 games. <laughs> um, so, no, everybody said what an incredible job he did last year. And I didn't, I didn't, because, you know, some of the injuries, and I did not agree with that, because, frankly, um, I thought it was Cashman who was, like, the GM of the year, because every single guy Boone put in anywhere at any time played out of their minds. Right. I mean, Urshela hit 40 or 50 points higher than his lifetime average. Uh, DJ LeMayhew, oh, where's he going to play? Where's he going to play? He finished fourth in the MVP voting. Um, so, yes, on the one hand, they had a lot of injuries, but on the other hand, any guy you put in anywhere played great. So I'm not sure that makes you the manager of the year. And in the NL West, I don't think there's really a lot to talk about. I think the Dodgers, I don't like them as a playoff team. And no, I don't like Kershaw as a playoff pitcher. Um, but to me, they're far and away the class in the NL West. Uh, the only thing I'll say there for playoff discussions, which I assume we'll have eventually today, is, uh, you know, they lost Yunjin Ru. And he was—he's an excellent pitcher. You know, last year he was 14 and five, and I think that's a loss for the Dodgers. Even though Walker Bueller is great and arguably better than Kershaw, at least in the uh, postseason, but I think that's going to hurt them a little bit come playoff time. I think it might as well because uh, it does ding their depth a little bit. Uh, that uh, nobody should be uh, crying for the Dodgers because it's still. Is a very good rotation, uh, including depth, but you're right. You take a guy like that out of there, and uh, it does affect you a little bit in terms of what you have, and it makes it a little bit more incumbent on everybody else staying healthy, which, uh, side note here before we go any further on this, you and I talked about this off air about, you know, picking surprise teams for this year, and you pointed out appropriately so. Uh, the biggest possible scenario for a surprise team is a team that doesn't have an outbreak when other teams are having to go through outbreaks. In other words, a team that's healthier under the circumstances than others. But putting that aside, if we just look at it in a vacuum, team that looks able to make a jump, particularly in a season that is 102 games less than usual, and so there will be a lot more randomness to the season. You mentioned the Reds. I don't have a make in the playoffs, but if you put a gun to my head and said, Pick a team that was off the radar the last couple of years for playoff contention that could make the playoffs this year. I think I'd say the Reds. Well, again, I think that's a good selection. Um, but I just find, and I know that the boys team, right, that you don't expect that jumps out. I don't know what the mentality of the people, uh, the players is going to be, but the mentality has to be more like a, a football season, frankly. I mean, every game counts so much. You can't go, I think, I know the Nationals were under 500. I don't remember their exact record after 60 games. But they were pretty bad. Right. And I don't know if you believe, do they get off to slow starts or not? Is that a thing? Uh, other teams, you know, didn't play well till July and August, which is what you're going to uh, be playing now into September. And I don't know if that's because they're terrible in April because of the cold weather. You just don't know. Is it a mindset? Is it a weather thing? So... I had, you know, I give the Reds a shot. I think they had too much of a jump. Uh, I really thought that in 
March that Tampa Bay could beat the Yankees because the Yankees would have missed, you know, Judge would have missed like the first 40, 50 games. Right. Stanton would have missed the first 20. Paxton couldn't pitch till like now. Um, and I don't know where they would have stopped that. Um, and Tampa just has a way. You know, I thought it was kind of Madden-based, but it has not been Madden-based. Kevin Cash is a very good, um, you know, he's a perfect manager. I don't think anybody is uh, is Madden. And the, the one team I would look at, though, and give some consideration if we're looking to one of these sleepers, and this is a sleeper, but when you look at their rotation, maybe you'll tell me it's not a sleeper, and that's the Texas Rangers. I don't have them winning the West. Obviously, Houston is, you know, very good, whatever it's going to be that remains to be seen. And I like Oakland to beat them. But the Texas Rangers, as you know, they have Kluber. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what, what edition of Kluber they're getting, but Kluber and Mike Miner and Lance Lynn and Kyle Gibson and Jordan Lyles, that's an awful good starting five. Uh, I don't think that's going to be enough. Again, I think they're another team. I say this all the time about the Mets in the NL East. I think the Texas Rangers are in the wrong division. Uh, and now, I think nowadays, the Boston Red Sox, you're right, they waved the white flag before the season. They not only traded uh, Mookie Betts, but also um, David Price was a Dodger, and now he's opted out. So that also kind of hurts the Dodgers a little uh, in the pitching rotation that you're correct. They still have it, but they lose Ryu. They don't get David Price. Um, you don't have to pitch really well with that offense, I think, to be great. Uh, I think Kershaw will be great again in the regular season, but it's Walker Bueller in the playoffs. So I thought the Rangers had a chance because starting pitching is still very important. I understand bullpens are arguably more important. I don't think that's totally true, but it's partially true because nowadays you use them, what, every game? You know, how many complete games a year do you see? In 162 games, if a team has five complete games, that's incredible. So the game has totally changed, as we've discussed. But I did like what Texas has done with their pitching staff. I just think they're in the wrong division. Well, it's going to be a sprint uh, the way that it's going to be going, uh, obviously, and that is going to affect how teams manage their bullpens. To your question of whether Texas still counts as a sleeper, yeah, I'd say that they do. I mean, that's a better-than-average starting rotation, but uh, you know, you still they have some holes in the lineup here and there as well. I mean, it's, it's good but not great as far as their team goes. Uh, Kluber, I think, is one of the guys who really benefits from a shorter season because the last couple of years he's been a guy who's really kind of worn down towards the end. And, uh, you know, I have some bitter memories as a Tribe fan in terms of playoffs with that being the case. Uh, yeah, listen, I mean, he was doing the best he could. He was a bulldog, but uh, these arms only have so much life in them. So guys like him are going to benefit from a shorter season because they're going to be able to go with more oomph uh, all of their times out there, and that will be beneficial. But, yeah, when, when you look at this, when you look at the landscape of it, and uh, Ben Lindbergh, I, I recommend very highly to everybody, some of his work uh, always on the ringer, but uh, especially recently looking at the statistical anomalies that could very well result uh, from a 60-game season. There are a few people that are more on top of the advanced analytics than that guy, and it's been some fascinating reading as far as his theories on how it could affect the season, and uh, it, it is one of these things, too, where, again, but he can theorize all he wants, we can theorize all we want, but, again, this is one of these things where uh, the luck of the draw in a global pandemic 
whichever teams aren't beset by this, and we talked about this before with no bubble, that uh, everybody is at risk of being beset by this. I mean, you could look at, if you were going to uh, handicap this thing here, well, I don't like the odds of Arizona or Miami because they're in some real hell holes as far as the epidemic goes. I mean, yeah, okay, fair enough. Maybe it'll hurt the Astros. Uh, I hope people won't be snickering if that's the case. I know we like to point and snicker at the Astros these days, but if they end up having a coronavirus outbreak, I hope everybody can put their giggles on hold because this is serious business. But uh, there's just so many different things that could come into play. And this is something that I had pointed out previously on the program here. We heard something from Rod Manfred that is truly, truly incredible because you, you never hear, and, and, and this is a phrase you would understand from your line of work, uh, Steve Callis, arguing against interest, okay? That's, I'm going to use that courtroom phrase here. Uh, for Rob Manfred to say, we're going to be lucky to get the 60 games in plus the playoffs, I mean, I know that's what he was advocating for, but you never ever, ever hear any commissioner admit anything like that. Far more typical is the Roger Goodell approach of, we're going to play 16 games in the full playoffs and with as many fans as possible, Dagnabbit. Rob Manfred's, I don't want to say defeatism, but extreme realism is very, very atypical, and it shows you how grim the likelihood of getting this whole thing in may be. Well, I think Rob Manfred has had a tough year. I mean, yes. he called, first of all, I thought, uh, they should have vacated the Astros championship. And when he when he said, well, what do you want me to do? It's just a piece of metal. You know, people said they should get back the World Series trophy. Right. And it was like he didn't know it's called the Commissioner's Trophy, which is maybe the funniest <laughs> thing ever. So, so when I look at Rob Manfred, Harvard-educated lawyer, and I see a piece of metal, and it's the Commissioner's Trophy, I mean, you just laugh your head off. Then he went on CNN, which you will recall, and I thought did a very poor job of answering some basic questions about testing uh, and how he said things like, well, our experts tell us we don't need a 14-day quarantine if somebody comes up positive. And I'm like, wow, I'm no doctor, but every health expert in the country has said, if, you, if you're positive, you need 14 days. And not only that, if the guys around you are near you, they need to go out for 14 days. And now, at least from what I can hear about the testing, you're going to test every other day. If you are positive, you do get isolated, but the guys all around you apparently are going to be tested on the spot, and if they don't show that they're positive, I don't even know if they have to be quarantined at all. The other thing I just learned, which maybe you knew, so a guy like Mike Trout lets him he plays, and I understand, and obviously if he doesn't play, then you totally scratch the angels off, but... Either way, even if he does play, he said, there's no way I'm missing the birth of a baby. Now, I'm old enough, and you may be too, Rick, that, you know, way back when, like the 70s, nobody ever missed a day for the birth of a baby. Right. So, like, I'm going to work, which I always thought was weird, and now I totally agree. You know, if you want to be there for the birth of your child, especially your first, you should be there. Right. Um, but he's going to go out for, like, you figure he's going to go home for three or four days, and then when he comes back, I think there is some kind of like four day quarantine or something, or maybe you need to pass two, you know, two negative tests or whatever. He's going to miss a week or eight days, I think, even if he wants to play. And a week or eight days in the 60 game season is, you know, seven or eight games. Yeah. <laughs> That's like more than 13% of the season. 
So I think those kinds of things are a problem. The thing I didn't want to, I didn't want to ask you, which we have not talked about, is, so you're hearing a lot of conversation, oh, whoever wins the World Series, it's an asterisk, blah, blah, blah. I don't agree with that at all. But here's my question for you, because I agree there should be an asterisk on the following. What happens if in 60 games, and this has happened over the years, as you know, what happens if in 60 games somebody hits 400? I knew that's where you were going when you started to wind up that way. I, I could see that pitch coming dead red across the plate. You were going to ask me about 400. I mean, I agree completely. And that uh, whether it be, and, and maybe where, again, on the Maris thing with the 61 home runs, it wasn't an asterisk per se, but they noted that it was in uh, more games. It right, definitely, it should, yeah, that's that's probably a good point of comparison on this and I'll tell you what too when you're looking at records I'll pose a question back to you on what you think of how this may affect uh, records particularly some of the more advanced metrics about inherited runners and that kind of stuff as I look at this here I may have been at the first game under uh, the MLB auspices and so uh, when I say MLB and then the the official minor league system so leaving aside the independent leagues I think I was at the first one that had the runner on second rule in extra innings because it was the 2019 Futures game at, we still call it the Jake, Jacobs Field here in town here, those of us good Indians fans. And uh, I just, I, I remember sitting there joking with some of my friends like, okay, uh, if, if, if it ends up, because the game ended up being a tie, but I was like, can we use as a tiebreaker whoever made it closer to third when he was leading off? Yeah, I mean, clearly baseball's not going to do that, but this is one of the things they're doing to try to reduce wear and tear uh, on players, as well as the universal DH. Expanded rosters, of course, no minor leagues this year, but every team is going to have basically extended spring training someplace adjacent to their town. So, uh, in terms of any of these things and how they'll affect the game, your thoughts on that? Well, I'm sorry, but I really do not like the man on second rule. When no. I was a kid, you did that in, like, the Sunday Beer League, like my father used to play in. <laughs> the Sunday Beer League Softball League, because you usually had a doubleheader, you had to get home to dinner, you always had somewhere to go, and, you know, they were just, they wanted to end the game, so that's what they did. Now, I have seen it, I know they do it in the minor leagues, I know they do it, I think, in women's fast pitch softball, but it's just not baseball, I'm sorry, Rick, it's just not baseball to me, and... I don't know why. I understand. And I heard John Smoltz, and I like John Smoltz. He said, well, baseball is a game that's not supposed to be played for 17 or 18 innings. Well, hold it now. Right. <laughs> if the score is tied after the end of nine, it sure is meant to be played 10 innings. Right. And then 11 and then 12. And, you know, I wish I had uh, the Elias Sports Bureau at my beck and call because I'd say, first of all, how many 17 or 18 inning games were there last year? And the total, you know, 162 games in all these teams is probably maybe, I don't know, 8 or 10. Um, but I don't think there's anything wrong with 10 or 11 or 12. Or maybe I think some leagues maybe started, like in the 12th inning or if it's softball in the 10th inning. Maybe that's something they should have looked at. But the notion to start in the top of the 10th, and I understand, first of all, you know, they're going to have 30 players, as you know, and people are talking about carrying, you know, 17, 18 pitchers. Right. So this is the time, and then to 28, and then to 26. But these are the time where you're going to, look, the rosters have been 25 forever, and I think that's just the owners don't want to pay another salary. Right. So think of the old old days of, uh, you know, I remember interviewing Jim Cotton. He told me the 69 Mets were the first team 
to go to a uh, five-man rotation. So when you had a four-man pitching rotation, you had four men, you had maybe two relievers and maybe one long guy. So you had seven guys and 18 players. Now when the game starts in a 25-player roster, you've got three guys who can play. You can't play your backup pitcher, and you got like 13 or 14 pitchers. So it's really changed the game, but I think that was more of a function of they should have long ago made it 26 players all the time, 27 players all the time, 28 players all the time, and then you might not have as many problems, and you certainly wouldn't run out of pitchers. But the 17, 18, and anything that Smoltz said, I thought was a red herring because there's not really that many games that go that far. And I'm just sorry... You know, the shift is part of baseball. I don't like it, but it's part of baseball. You can't outlaw that. But to put a man on second to start an inning, uh, I, I mockingly said at the time, and I'll, I'll leave you with this one on this topic, I think they should just send three guys out to take five swings and the most home runs win. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody loves home runs, right? And the balls are juiced and chicks did the law ball or That's whatever right. you want to say. Yeah. Um, I don't know why they don't do that. That would actually be more exciting. Yeah. It would be ridiculous, but it would be more exciting. I analogize to the hockey shootout right. to some degree. But as you know, they don't do that in the playoffs. And I don't think they're doing the man on second in the playoffs. I believe I'm correct when right. I say that. Right. It's only for the regular season. So they kind of realize the idiocy of it all, in my opinion, as does the NHL. Thankfully, they don't do that in the playoffs. And it's kind of funny because, as you know, the NHL is starting with the playoffs. <laughs> That's right. That's so, right. So um, I think there's an asterisk next to 400, but everything else is kind of, you know, they're all in the same boat. They all face the same problems. Uh, but I think you're right. If we could, know, if we could only know who's going to have the most COVID positives and we could eliminate those teams, and if you could tell me the healthy teams are going to go with none or one, uh, I think they have a big shot in the 60-game season no matter who they are. Well, exactly. And, uh, again, one of the things here is, of course, with everybody playing their own division and then the opposite division in the other league, uh, so some, some teams are going to have easier schedules than others. That, 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 to me, is stupid as far as how they're doing it. Like, oh, it's safer for the Indians to fly to Wrigley Field than it is Yankee Stadium? You can't tell me that trip's not about equal distance. So uh, how they're, they're making the determinations yeah, on that, point. yeah, it's ridiculous. But anyway, so some teams are going to have easier schedules, some harder uh, my Cleveland Indians among the easier ones here, so uh, I actually have them making the playoffs and edging out Houston when that wouldn't have been the case previously. I have them taking a wild card in the National League. I have Milwaukee benefiting from that at the expense of the Mets, who I had originally had taking a wild card. But short of that, I'm going to stay chalk at this point on what my picks were in March because why wouldn't I? What have we seen to this point to tell us what's going to be that much different other than, like you said, the Yankees actually, with getting healthier, uh, look stronger right now than they did in March. They were already my pick to come out of the American League. I had them beating Minnesota in the American League Championship Series. I'll stay with that. I had L.A. over Atlanta in the National League Championship Series. And my pick coming into this year was Dodgers over Yankees in the World Series. Uh, a nice piece of nostalgia here. And uh, wouldn't it be interesting to end the 2020 season like that? Or maybe uh, Indians over Dodgers in the World Series to commemorate how it went 100 years ago. I, I, I would like to see that. I, I wouldn't mind seeing, oh, that's right. you know, 100, 100 years since one of our two titles. And uh, listen, the Indians, with their holes, especially in the outfield, going to benefit from the smaller sample size. They're one of those teams that could benefit. But in the end, 
I'm still going to say Dodgers over Yankees. Uh, make whatever predictions you want to make for this goofy year, Steve. Yeah, in 1920, that's the year of Bill Wamsgans. Wamsgans, yes. Unassisted triple play, correct? At, at League Park, where we, both you and I, I have been. I was going to say, at our, at our favorite field that nobody knows about, yes. League Park. <laughs> um, I have similar picks, not exactly the same. I have the Yankees over the A's in the American League. And again, I was really worried. I'm not sure that I would have picked the Yankees. The answer would have been, of course, it's a 162-game season. But if you had Paxton being unable to pitch in April, May, and June, if you had Judge essentially out for sure in April, May, and June, if you had Stanton with a calf muscle problem, you'll recall, um, but here the Yankees do have some problems also, but I think they're all going to overcome it. Tanaka seems to be okay. Chapman, they think they, Chapman had the coronavirus. They think he might be able to be there for the start of the season, if not shortly thereafter. And LeMahieu played the other night, so they think he's going to be able to start on Thursday when the Yankees uh, when the Yankees play. So I still think they're dominant. Again, I watched them against the Mets, and you 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 know you just watch the lineup they have. You know. I think there was three guys in the history of the Yankees who had more than 30 home runs before the age of 23 in a season, and it was like Joe DiMaggio, Mickey Mantle, and Gleyber Torres. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, you know, you're shaking your head. Right. And they just have so many good hitters. They have Judge and Stanton that are healthy right now. They got nothing from Stanton last year, and they, they, they got like – Maybe half the season, or a little more than half a season from Judge. So it's like they just put in two superstars in their lineup. Right. They went 103 games last year. I'll say it again, though. I think some guys are going to take a step back because every single guy who news plays great. You know, it's unbelievable. And you're missing guys who, are, who have left, like Cameron Maven. Nobody even talks about him. He played incredibly well when he played for the Yankees. And, you know, he must have been like their sixth outfielder or something. But I've got the Yankees over the A's in the American League, and I'm picking the Braves over the Dodgers in the National League because I'm still not sold on the Dodgers. Um, maybe the Dodgers cheated them out of the World Series. I'm certainly not against believing that. Um, but, you know, Kershaw has not been a good postseason picture, uh, pitcher. They don't have Rue. Um, they do still have an excellent pitching staff. You're correct. Kenley Jansen in a big spot. I say maybe yes, but maybe no. And I think the A's are just going to take a step forward. Now, they don't have Mark Kakis, who wasn't so good last year. Freddie Freeman said he was praying for his life, right? He had 104.5 temperature. That's right. Uh, but, he, but he seems to be back and healthy. Um, so I think they're going to be all right from the initial COVID attacks, for lack of a better way to say it, Rick. Um, you know, and Acuna is like the super-duper star. And everybody forgets about Ozzy Albies because he's like uh, Robin, doing his Batman. But you look at his numbers and you just shake your head. And Freeman, if he's healthy, then they just have a bomb squad to me. So I'm going to pick the upset Braves over the Dodgers. But I'm going to pick the Yankees over the Braves. Again, I was able to watch them Saturday, Sunday, and just, you know, nothing exhibition games against the Mets. And you just look at the lineup and it's like a video game lineup. So, you know, Gardner's batting eight or ninth and he hit like 28 home runs last year. Right. Gardner. Now, maybe that's a baseball thing. We'll see if the baseballs are not used. Because a lot of people, including me, think something happened to them in the playoffs, right? Right. <laughs> the home runs in the playoffs were way down. So we'll just have to see how that goes as well. And in terms of records, there's not, you know, no home run RBI. None of those records are going to be threatened in 
a 60-game season obviously. Um, but you know, I'm interested in the 400 thing. I think somebody might be able to take a run. That'll be interesting to watch. So I do have uh, Yankees over the Braves. The Braves upsetting the Dodgers, and that's my final four with the A's. Okay, and uh, also too ERA records as well. Is anybody going to be able to go after Bob Gibson and the 112? Uh, that's something worth taking a look at with a very yeah, limited right. number Good of point. starts. Uh, so there's that as well. By the way, I had the Twins over the A's in, in a very, very close call in my predictions, so I could have mm -hmm. easily had the same Final Four as you. I have the A's making a very good run in there, and uh, yeah, it's going to be uh, fascinating to see it play out. Of course, watch us get to the end of the season, and it's the Orioles and the Marlins, because they were the only teams that didn't get the coronavirus, so although for the Marlins <laughs> to not get it of all teams playing in the, you know, what is basically Wuhan West at this point. Uh, I don't think the uh, the odds of that are great. But uh, what is always great is the conversation with you, my friend. Thank you so much for being here uh, for this one today. Thank you, everybody, for joining us for FDH Lounge Mini Episode 1255.